Thank you very much uh, for that very kind introduction. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here and also to share the stage with such wonderful authors. So thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity. I can't see most of you, but I'll try and uh, connect with you in some way, shape, or form. Um, I want to just tell you a little bit about me, and I want to then tell you a little bit more about what the book that I've written is about. And hopefully when the two connect, you'll be here in this evening and walk away with something that you haven't thought about before. Hopefully you will have seen the world that you live in in a slightly different way. And I hope that you will then take that story to other people who you care about and who you love and, and cherish in a way that, uh, that will be meaningful. I uh, was born in Kenya to uh, two parents who never had any formal education. Both of my parents are Somalis and who met in Kenya, and my mother, God bless her, had given birth to 12 children. And I was number eight in that long list. I was pleased she didn't stop after number seven. I wish she did after number eight. And my father, who also was never formally educated and who worked in Kenya as a long-distance driver, died when I was just nine. And a few months after that, we ended up in the United Kingdom without both of our parents and seeking asylum in a new country, in a new culture, without understanding anything. And just pause there for a moment and think what that means for somebody who is nine years old. You have just helped to bury your father. You're without your mother. And you're in a new country with new people where you do not understand the language that these people are speaking. And there is no adult there to make sense or help you understand or grieve or actually process whatever emotion you're carrying as a child. Now to many people that would be quite shocking, but for me and for others like me that story is actually in many ways remarkably unremarkable. But it is what happened after that that perhaps makes my story slightly different. Against the odds, and perhaps against very big odds, life moved on and our mother would join us four years later. I would go on to study law and French, having grown up in some of the most deprived areas of Northwest London, raised exclusively on state benefits, moving from one squalor council accommodation to the next, to then go on to do my postgraduate degree studies at Oxford University on a full scholarship, to then go on on a full scholarship to train as a barrister, and then today having the opportunity to be able to address you all and make it the case for you to buy my books more than the others. <laughs> now, many people might say that that's smooth sailing from here, and I always say, let's slow down because there's still plenty of time to fuck this up.
But ladies and gentlemen, I also want to share with you a few of the lessons that have really taken me to the places that I now find myself. And I just want to touch upon them in order to try and test your minds for you to think about the issues perhaps in a way that you haven't before and to also give you a flavor of what I have been grappling with through the stories of this book. The first is, the book is, yes, essentially about social mobility, but it's a, a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that because it's a book about hope. It's a book about aspiration. It's a book about trying to imagine for yourself a different kind of destiny. And I'm sure each and every single one of you can relate to that idea of imagining for yourself a different future to that which you have been familiar with. A different future than that which your parents might have been used to. A different kind of destiny that says, I want more. I want something different. And I will try my best to get there. The first thing is also to just to try and remind people. Here we are in one of the most multicultural cities in the world and perhaps one of the richest cities in the world. But if you had walked like I did just a few steps from Dalston Station, just at the top, you will have seen so many people who were begging in the rain, desperate. And yet, we know that we often sell ourselves this story that if you just work hard and do the right thing, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, as somebody who's come from one extreme end to the other, I'm sure you have felt what I have felt, and I'm sure you will agree with me when I say to you that's complete nonsense. It's nonsense because working hard and doing the right thing barely gets you to the starting line. There is so much more that you need to do to succeed. So much more that is deeper to try and understand why we are where we are. The social conditioning that exposes us to the kind of society that we are then expected to realize our full potential. The second is this idea that there is some sort of zero-sums game. That for some people to succeed, it must follow that others must fail. That's also another really toxic and deadly idea that seeks to pit the vast majority of people against one another when the so small, tiny few keep the riches for themselves and their offsprings. That's just no longer sustainable. We need to find a different way. The next is also the idea in this country, perhaps more than any other country, so much of your starting point really determines how far you go in your life. The parents to whom you are born, when you are born, the kind of upbringing that you have, the stability that you may enjoy, the kind of calmness that allows you to be able to be in your room peacefully and do your homework and be able to walk to school and get to a school that actually squeezes every last drop of your potential out of you. 
There's this idea that education alone is the panacea to the question of social mobility. That this idea that if you pass all the right exams, you go through every single needle, success will be there waiting for you. When again, we know that's simply not true. We then I give this idea that once you have done that, that every single person, their potential will be fulfilled either through the education system or some piece of paper that says, I have a full degree. I have now become who I want to be. And if you don't have that piece of paper, that somehow you're worth less. Somehow you're not fulfilled. And every parent desperate to tell their kids to be a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, or whatever dream that they have concocted for you that doesn't fully realize your full potential about who you are, why you are, and why you should be benefiting from an environment that exposes you to the best possible way, what you're good at, but crucially understanding what you're not so good at and what you don't enjoy. These are the fundamental questions that we're incapable of grappling with if we are truly to understand what it means to be socially mobile, what it means to truly fully understand your potential. The next is I just want to touch upon the issues of how society might well make a difference, but how you as an individual might also do something for yourself. Ponder this. We live in a country here, and I want to give you one particular statistics, one particular statistic rather, that gives you an idea of the kind of challenges that we face. A recent British Social Attitudes survey found that 44% of people in this country, 44% of people in this country, believe that some races are born less hardworking. Just think about that. Almost half of the people surveyed in this study believe that some races were born lazy. Think about the consequences of what that means. Think about your neighbor who might think that about a child going to school trying their best. The teacher who might look at a child and think that that child isn't worth an extra effort. That manager who might look at an individual for promotion and think there's no point, he or she is never going to work hard enough. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the kind of social issues that we face in this country that means that actually the story that we're often telling everyone that it's all about the individual does not stand up to scrutiny. This is a collective effort. This is an effort that will require each and every single one of us to do something on an individual basis, but also a collective effort to be able to actually harness the true force of what we can do as a society. There are lots of initiatives that make the difference, whether that be blind name CVs, non-graduate schemes, targeted programs to particular areas with particular children who may be able to harness particular 
qualities. Quotas are often seen as not the right way, but they can work in the right context, targeted proportionately. Better interview mechanisms to try and give people the kind of environment that allows them to be able to relax and fully show what they're capable of, rather than the kind of environment that places the pressure on the individual to actually be compelled to perform in a wholly alien environment, and much more besides. But we also need to do various things on an individual basis. If you as an individual look yourself in the mirror and actually truly understand who you are, why you are where you are, what confidence means to you. Me as an individual who spoke English as my third language, growing up in some of the most deprived areas of London, if I didn't realize very early on that the, not only are the odds completely stacked against me, but that I needed to take drastic, deep-rooted, forceful change within and without myself to actually make progress, then I could not have done what I have done. And that's both an individual journey, but a collective one too. Because if I didn't have the right people, believing in me, encouraging me, helping me, showing me that which I did not know anything about. Again, this isn't supposed to be a solitary soul journey along the way. It doesn't have to be. It never needs to be. These are the kind of examples that I try and explore in the book. They're not perfect examples. I don't purport to have all the answers. But I have reflected on this journey in a way that has been painful, in a way that I hope has been helpful to a lot of people who are reading it, to parents, to teachers, to anybody who might be interested in a good story, to government policy makers, to anyone who genuinely actually wants to make a difference in their own lives. I conclude by saying my own story is, by definition, unique, but it is also an outlier. I have been very careful not to tell the kind of story that says, because I've been able to do it, so can you, and if you're not doing it, you're just being lazy, because that's also complete nonsense. But what I have been able to say is that I've done it. This is how I've done it. It may not be your path. It may not be your way. You may never want to be a barrister or any professional person in, the, in a context of working in the city. But whatever it is, you only have one life, one chance, and so much of your starting point determines a huge amount for you. But that's not the end of it. The question is, how do you do something about it? How do you do something for yourself as early as possible, as quickly as possible, in a way that you can then say, this is a life fulfilled? a destiny may be realized, if not for yourself, but for potentially your next generation. And so I hope that that, that, I, that which I put out there in the, in the universe and in this particular room this evening will hopefully show you that there is another way, a new way, and perhaps a more hopeful way. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen.